0: the truth news network it is your circus they are your monkeys how are you going to manage the rings a little help a little vision a little wisdom that comes from truth tnn the truth news network and dan newman well let me be the first today to welcome you to a brand spanking new month folks We've kissed June 2021 goodbye. It's gone. It's in your rearview mirror. A lot of things A lot of things happened in June. Many of them you want to think about and keep in your mind, but a bunch of them we're saying, wow, I'm glad that's in my rearview mirror. Well, let's get this month started together. How about that? Why don't we do that? We have so many things to unpack here today. You don't want to miss this show. Just got off the phone with Dr. Fleming, Dr. Fleming, one of the, the the foremost experts that you don't see on television a lot. He's got all kinds of things published on all kinds of medical genius ideas. He's even got some patents, and he's going to unpack tomorrow morning for us, shortly after nine o'clock here live, some of the things regarding not just COVID-19, but our health stuff today that are critical. And he is going to give us an inside peek. I just hung up the phone with him. In fact, we were about a minute late getting on on the air because he was calling and he was sh- shedding some things with me. So you don't want to miss that show. Dr. Fleming, he'll be on tomorrow and uh, he'll break down some really good things that we all need to know about. Remember our commitment here, especially regarding COVID-19. We learned way back in March, a year ago, you remember that? Dr. Judy Mikovits was on live with us. And she projected and actually prophesied to us live back last March. It wasn't March. I'm sorry. It was early May. A bunch of the things that were going to happen on Dr. Fauci's watch during 2020. And guess what? Almost every one of them she predicted happened. Good and bad, mostly bad. Dr. Fleming falls in that same mode. Not that he is an alarmist, but he's a truth guy. He's a truth doctor. You heard Sterling Hill on live with us day before yesterday. Same thing. She's a truth purveyor. And we told you we're going to very categorically and in a very structured way make sure that we begin periodically to put in front of you news and information that we vetted about the important things in our medical uh, situation for us individually and collectively. We've been doing that. We started that. And it's not always things you want to hear. It's not always things you want to read about, but it's the truth. Dr. Fleming is going to give us the next chapter live here tomorrow morning, so don't you dare miss it. What do we have today today? Folks, there is so much stuff that's come out. Just when you think the media world, the information world is full and there's no other spot to put anything else in, they start stuffing stuff in the media pipeline. And in most places, what that means is we just pass it along. You know, they just get told something is factual and they send it on the way. We don't do that here. We don't put anything out unless we vetted it. And confirmed if we're told the sky is green we're not going to go on air and say hey folks we just learned from a anonymous or some reliable source that the sky is really green we don't do that we go find out if it is green and we bring you that factual information and details to back it up if we find out it's not green we're going to come back and say "Sources told us the sky is green We did our research here and have confirmed that is not true. That's what we're doing with the COVID-19 story specifically because it's so critical and we're at a turning point. Right now today, folks, many people don't realize this is not just about get a jab or don't get a jab. It's not about that. There are so many other pieces to that story that must be found out to either be truth. falsehood. And then the American people and everybody around the world need to hear about it. That's our commitment to you. That's our commitment to the world of news and information. And we're going to continue to do that. Sometimes it's it's good. We're glad to hear it. Sometimes we'll hear something and go, I'm glad that's the way it really is. And sometimes we go, OMG, I'm in trouble. Hopefully, we won't have any of those OMGs, right? But whatever it is, folks, we're going to find out the truth of it and be honest and truthful with you. Let me give you one little tidbit of that while we're getting going here. During an interview which aired on CBS yesterday, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State David Fife he said the U.S. government had information on lab workers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology getting sick back in the fall. Not of 2020, folks. Back in the fall of 2019, they had it in their hands. They knew it was happening. And the the information they got came with completely high confidence and that the lab has been sitting on those records. Feist said this, the U.S. government's information on this fact on the lab workers being ill was completely in high confidence. He also confirmed the Wuhan Institute of Virology is hiding lab records. They're hiding medical records, and of course they're doing that on the orders of the Chinese Communist Party. Dr. Fauci said otherwise, right? Dr. Fauci has told us a bunch of lies. Now, I'm going to back that up. In fact, I'm not going to back it up. I'm going to step out of the way and let somebody come in and tell you about it who knows firsthand. We're going to go to Congress to a committee hearing that happened yesterday. Congressman Jim Jordan out of Ohio, he did us all a a service, folks. He went back and he chronicled everything. Everything that Fauci has been telling us for a year and a half now that we're not and are not factual. Now, normally the audio sound bites you hear here may be a minute, two minutes long. This is gonna take a little bit longer. But let me tell you what I know you're gonna do. After you listen to this, you're gonna say, hey, how can I get that? We'll make it available on our web page. But right now, I'm gonna give you about 30 seconds. Go refill your coffee. Da. da, da, da. Is the weather pretty where you are? I think it's going to be a scorcher here today. I mean, it is July. It's supposed to get hot. Don't forget the creamer. Put the creamer in. You ready to go? Okay. Here's Jim Jordan explaining a lot of things about Dr. Fauci that many of we just assumed were so, but we always had that question mark there. Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio. He's going to dispel some of your question marks.
1: Friday January 31st 2020 at ten thirty two p.m. Dr. Fauci gets an email from Christian Anderson. Christian Anderson is a British researcher who's received numerous grants from NIH. Two really important sentences are in that email. Two sentences that get Dr. Fauci's attention. The first is this. The unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that Some of the features look engineered. Again, this is January 31st, 2020. Second sentence, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Email arrives 1032 to Dr. Fauci on January 31st, 2020. Two hours later, two hours later at 1229 in the morning, Dr. Fauci sends an email to his top deputy, Mr. Hugh Auschenkloss. Guy has worked for Fauci for 15 years, part of his inner circle. Sends it, subject line says, important in all capital letters. He attaches a paper on gain-of-function research written by Dr. Barrick and Dr. Xi. Dr. Xi, of course, is the so-called bat lady, bat woman, the lady who does research in the Wuhan China lab. This email, Dr. Fauci says, again, to his top deputy, it is essential that we speak this a.m., Keep your cell phone on, read this paper. You will have tasks to do today that must be done. Notice the intensity. Notice the focus. I mean, this is the House is on Fire email here. Now, two hours after that, at 2.48 in the morning, Dr. Fauci's busy this morning, 12.29, that email he sent to Dr. Oshenklaas, his top deputy, two hours later at 2.48 in the morning, he sends another email, this one to Robert Cadlick. Assistant HHS secretary, Trump appointee, not part of his inner circle, and he attaches a different article to this email, one that says the virus came from an animal that downplays any lab leak theory. Now, again, notice the tone of this one. Bob, this just came out today. Gives a balanced view, best, Tony. I mean, totally different from the previous. This is one like, oh, if you get a chance, read this, gives a balanced view. So the tone is different, but also that sentence, gives a balanced view, It's not true either. That's just not accurate. This article downplays, as I said, the lab leak theory emphasizes evolutionary cause to the virus. What happens next? What happens next? Later that same morning, later that same morning at 1147 AM, Dr. Fauci's deputy gets back to him. I just wanna read you this whole email. The paper you sent me, the one he sent him on that was written by the virologist from Wuhan, China, and Dr. Barrick. The paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain-of-function pause, but have since been reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what that means, since Emily, someone else who works for Dr. Fauci, is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, which, of course, is the oversight body that's supposed to approve any grant dollars going for gain-of-function research. No coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, Final sentence, she will try to determine if we have any distant ties to this work abroad. She will try to determine if our fingerprints are on any of this. All these emails happen in 13 hours. So 13 hours after Dr. Fauci gets the initial email from Christian Anderson saying, looks like this virus is engineered, not consistent with evolutionary theory. Dr. Fauci knows some important facts. First, Dr. Fauci knows there's a lethal virus on the loose that started in Wuhan, China. Second, he knows the American taxpayers have funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. Third, he knows that the research grant didn't go through the required oversight board. Fourth, he knows the virus, quote, looks engineered and, quote, not consistent with evolutionary theory. And finally, fifth, Dr. Fauci knows he may have ties to this work in China. His fingerprints, in fact, may be on this. So what does Dr. Fauci do next? After he says, oh, whatever, what does he do next? He organizes a conference call for later that same day. I mean, this is the busiest 24 hours I think I've ever seen. He organizes a conference call, 12 people on the call, Dr. Fauci and 11 virologists from around the world, virologists who've gotten millions of American tax dollars over the past several years. Now look at this list. Here's the list of people. There's only two Americans on the list, Tony Fauci and one other. Most of them are from around the world, as I said. I think the first thing you notice is who's not on the call. Who's not on the list? Is Dr. Cadillac on the list? The guy he sent the email to at three in the morning? Is Dr. Redfield the head of CDC? Dr. Girard, who's with us today, Assistant Secretary at HHS at the time? Dr. Burks, the lady who's soon to be COVID response coordinator? In fact, there's no one from the government on the call except Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci and 11 other individuals who got a bunch of American tax dollars over the years. What happened on the conference call? The short answer is we don't know. We don't know what they talked about. I mean, I, got a, I think we've got a good idea. We don't know for sure. But we do know what happened four days later. Four days later, February 4th, 2020, Christian Anderson, the guy who started it all, who said the virus looks engineered, Christian Anderson said this four days later, the crack quote, the crackpot theories going around at the moment relate to this virus being somehow engineered. That is demonstrably false, close quote. What? In four days, this guy went from this looks engineered to now that's demonstrably false. Four days he went from this isn't consistent with evolutionary theory. Now we know it's totally evolutionary, but it gets even better. It gets even better. Mr. Anderson and three of the other people on this call write an article a few weeks later that says COVID is not a laboratory construct. And while they're writing that article, there's an email from March 6th where Mr. Anderson offers to let dr fauci edit the article before it's published and here's the kicker here's the kicker when the article is published dr fauci cites it at a white house press conference when he is asked by a reporter about the origin of the virus cites the very article he put in motion on the conference call and he was allowed to edit at the white house where he's supposed to be giving the american people the truth he references an article that he manufactured Now, maybe I'm wrong about all this. Maybe it didn't work out this way. I think I'm right. Maybe it didn't work out this way. But it would have been nice, Mr. Chairman, if Dr. Fauci would come today and answer our questions. He could have come here and defend himself, but he didn't have the courage to do it. And you know else who wouldn't come? Remember that email about the P3 framework? We invited Dr. Hassel to come too. He's the individual who chairs that oversight board. We invited him to come today too, and he wouldn't come. I'm convinced these guys knew right from the get-go what the truth was, and they misled the American people. Oh, here's the other thing. You know that conference call? That conference call? We got the emails regarding the conference call from February 2nd. All All these guys were emailing back and forth. They were on that conference call. Here's what we got on the FOIA request. Here's all their emails. Every single thing is redacted. Every single thing is redacted about what took place in that conference call because I'm convinced it was at that conference call where they said we got to cover our tracks. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But Dr. Fauci could have been sitting right there and answer our questions and he wouldn't come today. I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Jordan. And let the record reflect that Dr. Fauci was invited uh, Friday afternoon. He declined.
0: Dr. Anthony Fauci. Okay, folks, you heard it right there. Documentation. Where did the Wuhan laboratory play into this entire thing? What is the source of COVID-19? If you don't hear anything else today, period, in a two-hour show, hear this. And when I say hear it, I'm not just saying let it ring through your ears. I'm saying hear it in your mind, plant it there, plant it in your heart, this is is as close to uncontroverted as can possibly be. COVID-19 was manufactured. I'm not talking about the vaccine, folks. I'm talking about the virus itself was manufactured in the Wuhan Virology Laboratory. And it was overseen at the behest of Dr. Anthony Fauci there is no way they can justify any other idea any hypothesis about its origin other than that we have the Chinese scientist who was there and she started talking about it happening that way and the communist Chinese party went after her she had to defect from China You know who I'm talking about. Tucker Carlson had her on his show live, an hour, and she gave all the facts up. Now, let me give you one more smoking gun. Dr. Fauci himself told us the way this originated, it came from bats. Bats, and of course, how did it get into the public? When they do research and they find these viruses in animals, for some strange reason, and I guess it has to do with, um, I don't know, nature, I don't, I don't understand it, but they tell us, and I'm not even sure because Fauci told us, I'm for certain I'm not sure about it being true, but those viruses don't go straight from one animal to humans. They don't infect directly from the source to humans. There's always some species in between. Now Fauci said what happened is one of these bats or several of these bats infected some other animal and that animal is one animal, whatever it was, whichever one it is, is eaten. People in China eat almost every type of animal and there's what is called a wet market just blocks away from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And somehow that got from the laboratory or somewhere from a bat in nature into an animal, another animal that it was killed and was being there to be eaten in that wet market. Now that's a tar, tall tale. But then when Fauci was pressed, I mean, we're talking about scientists, folks. We're talking about researchers. We're talking about virologists and epidemiologists, the greatest on planet Earth. What do they do? They find things. Nobody made any attempt to determine that animal in between. So they've just left that question mark out there hanging in the air. So when you start putting all of those little pieces, you just heard Congressman Jordan put out there for us to consider in the timelines, there's no other possible conclusion. There's no way this thing just happened to happen. Gain-of-function research which was principally funded by, guess who? You. You're the guilty person. You're an American citizen. We paid for it. We paid what we've already been able to verify at the government level, $600,000 that went through a shilled company between the United States government and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Six hundred dollars Now, Fauci, under oath, testified, There was no gain of function going on there, and the United States government has never supported financially or any other way. Gain of function research. That's where they take a virus that's in the raw, and they find a way to make it more deadly, giving it more function, gain of function. And that's very common to happen all around the world. Why was that? What was the purpose? What was the involvement of the Chinese government? Many people think, and I'm one of those, I have begun to believe this is the reality. They were creating purposely a bioweapon. For what purpose? I don't know, folks. What do you use any kind of weapon for? Another little tidbit leaked into the marketplace overnight. The National Institutes of Health. And who's the big boss there? Anthony Fauci was reported in May, two months ago, for funded research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology through this nonprofit Eco Health Alliance with about that $600,000. That's no big deal. We already knew that. So during the Senate hearing in May, Dr. Fauci denied that his organization or he personally sponsored that gain of function research at that lab in Wuhan. This type of research is its to manipulate a naturally available coronavirus gene to make it more infectious, more lethal, and jump between species so they can predict potential pandemics. That's the reasoning they tell us that they're doing this gain-of-function thing, so that they can predict when a pandemic's coming novel idea. I'm not a scientist, but let me just throw that out there. Why don't we find out how to stop pandemics before they ever begin, right? So during that hearing in May, Fauci, he denied that his organization sponsored this gain of function research. According to one academic paper that's still awaiting peer review, it was authored by Dr. Jesse Bloom, who is a virologist from Head Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle. The file in question about this gain-of-function research was found in a Google Cloud database that the National Institute of Health mysteriously erased. The origin and the early spread of SARS-CoV-2, which is the coronavirus, remains shrouded in mystery, Bloom writes in this paper, claiming that the document contained critical information about the virus's gene sequences. Here, I identify a data set containing SARS-CoV-2 sequences from early in the Wuhan epidemic that has been deleted from the National Institute of Health Sequence Red Archive. I recover the deleted files from the Google Cloud and reconstruct partial sequences of 13 early epidemic viruses. Part of the file dismissed the validity of the narrative that the virus evolved naturally. Go figure. Phylogenetic analysis of these sequences in the context of carefully annotated existing data suggests that that Wuhan seafood market sequences that are the focus of the joint WHO and China report are not fully representative of the viruses in Wuhan early in the epidemic. Instead the progenitor of known SARS-CoV-2 sequences likely contained three mutations relative to the market viruses that made it more similar to SARS-CoV-2's bat coronavirus relatives. In other words, folks, it looks like there were a couple of outlaw sequences that showed up in all of this, and they just mysteriously disappeared. First discovering that paper that was deleted about the virus, it belonged to the National Institute of Health Sequence Read Archive. Bloom connected the dots and computed that the document could only be removed by request of the authors who wrote it. That spot, that archive, is designed as a permanent archive of deep sequencing data. The documentation states that after a sequencing run is uploaded, neither its files can be replaced nor the file name changed. That data can only be deleted by emailing the staff, explained Bloom, providing an example of how previously a lead author of the Pangolin coronavirus paper requested their work to be taken down and off that database. According to Bloom, the paper mainly worked on a project by Wuhan University which studied the samples of coronavirus that were extracted by a doctor and Rinman Hospital of the agency. This would shed a reason that the NIH must have gotten rid of the file by request from Chinese researchers. Now, this is going to boil your blood. What I just gave to you, the fact that that's been out there floating around, it's been in the blogosphere for several months. Nobody's reported on it. Nobody's brought it to the media, or if they did bring it to the media, the media said, shh, we can't talk about that. In a statement to the Washington Examiner, the NIH, National Institutes of Health, defended their reasoning for deleting the document. They, they actually confessed that they deleted it, saying that submitting investigators hold the rights to their data and can request withdrawal of the data and refuse to review who may have required its removal, citing the Freedom of Information Act. Wow. So, when I was a kid, when I did something wrong and I got busted, I did everything I could possibly do to hide what I had done from my mama. <laughs> do you realize what this is looking more and more like that on Dr. Anthony Fauci's watch, there was a coordinated effort by a small group of doctors who were involved in the research to weaponize A virus, why would you even want to weaponize a virus other than create a way to use it to attack? Now, you put that in the context of what is happening around the world and who's at the top of the heap now. That will give you shivers. I can see why yesterday Fauci wouldn't show up at that hearing. I can see why Dr. Redfield was there, and the other doctor that you heard mention, They're scared to death. They're being busted, folks. And you can repeat this with clarity and some certainty that it's factual. This was created in the Wuhan Virology Institute at the order, at the behest of somebody in big government from a country around the world. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell you this. You know who was physically at that lab back in, I think it was 2000, uh, when was it, 2015? I believe that's the date that we looked it up and found it. We reported to you a couple of weeks ago. Then President Barack Obama, along with Anthony Fauci. Why would they be in the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Don't know. But it's looking more and more and more like this thing was fabricated. It was built. And it somehow got out of got out of hand. Whether it was purposely tossed out by somebody into into the world, I don't know. Have no idea, won't speculate on that. But best case scenario, it slipped out of the lab somehow and got out there and has killed a bunch of people. Wow. So we're gonna let that set right there. Again, I'll tell you, do not miss tomorrow morning's show, Dr. Fleming from Dallas-Fort Worth, is going to be on with us. Spoke to him right before we went live this morning. He's excited to bring some very important information to you. And so you make sure you're going to be here shortly after 9 o'clock Central tomorrow morning. In the meantime, we've got some other stuff we got to unpack. Oh, my gosh. People are getting caught in lies every day now. I'm talking about big-time people. And a bunch of other people are being exposed and I'm talking about big-time people there, including people like uh, the President of the United States. we got some Biden stuff, folks. We've got some Biden um, policy stuff that we're going to unpack here in a little bit. And it's going to shock you. It, maybe it won't even shock you. I don't know. Maybe you're just getting numb to the fact that everything we're being told and has been presented to us as this is factual, this is evidence, yada, yada, yada. We find out it's all made up. Maybe you're at that mode. We can't let ourselves get there. We've got to always have our investigate meter up in the air. When somebody says something, don't just believe it. Make sure what you're believing, you're believing it because it's true, not because you want it to be true or because somebody that you know knew somebody who knew somebody else and they said it was true no no we can't go there facts matter and, and don't go anywhere we got an hour and a half folks and we have a bunch of facts that if you're not blood boiling right now about what you just heard about coming out of Fauciism and Fauci world get said it gets worse
1: do you like knocking down toddlers with oversized sports equipment for no reason other than your own personal enjoyment Yes? Well, imagine murking a three-year-old with a giant soccer ball twice their size. I know, it sounds too good to be true, but it's not. The giant inflatable soccer ball from
2: VAT19 weighs a whopping eight pounds when not inflated and stands an enormous six feet tall. Never has there been a more effective tool for wreaking havoc at the local playground, and it can be yours for only
1: $89.99. Order now at VAT19.com. That's V-A-T-1-9
0: it's movie season we count down your favorite movie classics including when Harry met the bathroom close encounters of the third bathroom a river runs through the bathroom
1: for someone suffering with sucrose intolerance a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom if you're experiencing chronic diarrhea gas stomach pain and bloating remember sucrose intolerance or csid can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test visit sucroseintolerance.com
3: northern tool and equipment my girlfriend has given me a pet name i'm afraid to ask snuggle muffin no it isn't
0: and she uses it in public
3: okay so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate like uh thunder chunky
0: i couldn't do that
3: i see too harsh for snuggle muffin okay drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower
0: got it here she comes hey snuggle Muffin. what are you doing snuggle snuggle,
2: snuggle-
1: i am so out of here wait Come back, Thunder
0: Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment.
3: Lowe's knows you're a craftsman
0: guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. Separating fact from fiction. Arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The truth on TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Somebody, somebody said this, and there's a ring of truth in it. Dr. Fauci is not always telling lies, certainly through the years with his position, with his um, with his expertise. He has said a lot of things that have helped a lot of people. I'm not questioning that. But here's the a conundrum, a conundrum Americans face today. When we know he has lied on multiple occasions, he's been caught multiple times telling lies. In fact, sometimes when he's been confronted for doing that, He chuckles about getting caught doing it. So in the context of the horrors of COVID-19 and how it's played out and continues to play out, not just in the U.S., but around the world, let me ask you a question. Which things that we hear and have heard from Dr. Fauci, which of those things are you willing to accept? Which ones do you believe are truthful? And here's the problem. We don't really know. So are you willing to put your life on the line, the lives of your loved ones, your parents, your kids, your spouses? Are you willing to put those on the line to believe somebody that is known to have lied? Which of the things that he says are you willing to do that? Put people's lives on the line if you take actions according to what he told us. Fauci's got to go, folks. We cannot let anybody be in that position that we know has so often, so regularly, and so egregiously lied about life and death situations to the American people. We just can't do it. Now, we talked about COVID-19. We haven't talked about the vaccines. Got a new study that was published day before yesterday in the peer-reviewed JAMA, J-A-M-A cardiology journal, and here's another biggie. It reported a much higher than expected number of myocarditis cases among male military members. That comes after the second dose of a vaccine. The new study noted that the observed number of cases of myocarditis which is, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's when your heart gets inflamed, your, uh, your heart swells up. That, the study said, was still relatively small. The case review involved patients in the military and in the military health system who experienced myocarditis after they received an mRNA vaccine dose for COVID-19 between January 1st and April 30th. 23 males presented with acute onset of marked chest pain within four days of getting a vaccine. Seven received the Pfizer 16 received the moderna, both of which use messenger RNA mRNA technology. They ranged in age from 20 to 51 medium age of 25. All had a final diagnosis of myocarditis without infectious ischemic or autoimmune etiologies identified. Eight of the patients also underwent diagnostic scans that yielded results consistent with myocarditis. Of the 23, 22 are military members. One is retired. Now, what's the commonality there? What's the thing that pulls all that together? The only commonality that I can see, they're in the military. So why would people in the military be more prone, especially just males, more prone to that? There are too many questions about this thing. I'm going to say this again. They should have never brought these vaccines to the market without extensive human trials with all kinds of people and demographics across the, the border, across the line, the spectrum, just to make sure that these vaccines are really, I got to be honest with you, we don't even know if they're effective. We're seeing people that have had the vaccines and then later they're getting COVID-19. Was the vaccine no good with them? Or can you get it after you've had a vaccine? Is it kind of like flu shots? When they rolled out the, the flu vaccinations, we were told way back whenever, get a flu shot. It'll protect you from the flu. People take a flu shot and they get the flu. And then they qualify telling us to take the flu shot, even though we got flu, they say, "Oh, you've got to have a booster. Sounds sounds kind of familiar to me, right? Oh, you got a COVID-19 vaccine. It looks like we're going to have to take them every year. In other words, the vaccine's not working. It's not effective, but yet there are so many egregious things that are happening. Thousands of people are dying, folks around the world. Verified. We have facts. The CDC publishes those facts every Friday. People take the vaccination. They have adverse effects. Thousands more get effects that aren't fatal, but thousands of people are dying within hours of getting these vaccinations. And did I mention? None of these vaccines, not a single one, any place on earth have been accepted and approved for anybody or everybody as treatment for COVID-19. They're for emergency use only. And I heard a report this morning, and I, I flip my wig, and I don't wear a wig. Pfizer is seeking approval to give their vaccine to five-year-olds. And the FDA has indicated they're going to do that. Five-year-olds. You got a five-year-old at your house? Are you willing to let that five-year-old, that little boy, that little girl that you love so much, are you going to let them take a vaccine? Do you ever watch any pharmacological drug ads on television? A 30-second spot, 20 touts the drug, and then the last 10 at rapid fire. They give all the disclaimers of the possible adverse effects of it. They can't give them all because they don't have enough time, and they just machine gun them out there. Always somewhere in the end of it is, might cause death. Bam. Are you willing to put your child in that situation where we really don't have a clue about the vaccines? None of them. There are four out there, three of them approved in the U.S. Be careful, folks. Be careful. Ivory Hecker, you heard that name yet? She used to work for Fox 26 in Houston. She accuses her former employer and other TV stations in the Houston market of withholding important public safety information. She claims her former employer refused to air a story that she created after doing extensive research about the effectiveness of the drug ivermectin, and another one, hydroxychloroquine, in treating COVID-19. Hecker believes the information could save countless American lives, kind of like a lot of doctors running around. <laughs> and she decided to publish her story anyway, and she went on the BitChute website to do it. She said this, I'm finally covering this story on COVID-19 drug treatments that I was not allowed to air on Fox. A look at why... One Houston hospital has a dramatically lower COVID death rate than anywhere else and the ways the media skated around the facts at that hospital. Now, it's a 17-minute video, and if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Again, it's at BitChute, two words, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. It's a free site, and her name again is Ivory Hecker, H-E-C-K-E-R. Go check out that 17-minute video. Despite Dr. Joseph Varone's popularity on TV, news personalities avoid questions of why he is having success treating his patients. She says this in the video. As it turns out, he's using drugs the World Health Organization and CDC recommend against using, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. The reporter claims almost every media outlet fails to mention that his success, Varone's success at using alternative drugs to lower the death rate of his patients. They don't want to talk about that. Verone, let me just say this. My doctor, my wife's doctor, he is adamant, and he is an expert, folks. He's adamant at the effectiveness in the early onset of COVID-19 treatment by hydroxychloroquine. My wife went traditional medicine when she when she got sick. I think it was back in maybe May of last year and it just kept getting worse and worse. She hadn't been tested yet. But she had horrible chest congestion and sneezing and fever and I mean it was just all the telltale signs of COVID-19. She went the traditional way. She went to the hospital, went to one of the quick care clinics. And they basically said, here's some aspirin, go home and go to bed, wear it off. It just got worse and worse, ended up being pneumonia and it ended up being COVID-19. So we went to our doctor who by the way, wasn't our doctor before this, but is now. And so they did a CT scan. She had really bad pneumonia in the bottom of one lung. And he put her immediately on hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, a breathing treatment. And in less than two or three days, she was fine. Everyone expected me to get it because I have an ongoing lung condition that came from losing all the cilia in my lungs from something I picked up in Mexico many, many years ago. Everybody expected me to get it quickly. He put me on hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. I never never even had a sniffle. But you know what? At his firm, he'll talk to you about it one-on-one, privately. But he's not out there touting it around just simply, folks, because Dr. Fauci, when the President of the United States put it out, Dr. Fauci went crazy, and the people on the left, the mouthpieces for the Democrat Party and other leftists, they began to laugh. They began to degrade the president for even bringing it up as a hypothesis. You remember us reporting about the Hasidic Jew doctor in upstate New York? When this whole thing began, he began to, in the little town in which he his practice is, and he lives, it's full of other Hasidic Jews. When people started coming down with this, he treated them with hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, and it ended up, He treated a thousand patients. One of them died, and I think less than a dozen were even hospitalized. So he tried to get medical experts around him to listen to him. They wouldn't do it. He called the White House and finally got somebody at the White House on the phone. He told them about what he was doing. They went, the White House went public with what he was doing, and Dr. Fauci and every other one of the experts at the high levels in the nation, they just put him down, they put the process down, they scoffed at the treatment, and they pushed the old, ineffective ways that they did for so long, while thousands of Americans died. Where is that Hasidic Jew doctor? Where's he been? They diminished him so much more, he won't even hardly talk to anybody, even people in his own town even though he was saving people's lives while they were out there spinning political partisanship. As you were sleeping last night, down under, our buddies in Australia, they found out that thousands of them are going to be required to get COVID vaccinations. Under 40s will finally be permitted to have the AstraZeneca vaccine there, if they want it at the same time, aged care workers are going to be required to get at least one vaccine dose by mid-September decision comes right after COVID outbreaks begin all across Australia. And those occurrences have revived calls there for more vaccinations for fear of the highly contagious Delta strain that is sweeping their country. Scott Morrison, emerged from an emergency National Cabinet meeting with the nation's premiers and chief ministers, came out of a meeting to announce long-awaited changes to their vaccine rollout. If they're willing to go and speak to their doctor and have access to the AstraZeneca vaccine, he said, they can do so. So the answer is yes, they can go and do that. He He then stated that the National Cabinet has decided on an indemnity system for GPs general practitioners to deliver the AstraZeneca vaccine to Australians under 60 ready to bear the exceedingly uncommon risk of blood clots if you wish to get it the AstraZeneca vaccine he said then we would encourage you to go and have that discussion with your doctor we've already made announcements to support those additional consultations with your doctor so you can have the conversation secondly We're also providing indemnity, an indemnity scheme for those doctors. Novel idea, huh? We pass indemnification out at our national government level to a few folks like, of course, Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube, all of those folks. What is indemnification? What are we talking about? That means the government steps in, and you can't sue those companies. You can't sue the individuals that work in those companies. In this case, Australia is protecting these doctors. Our government doesn't even do that. In April due concerns about the risk of blood clots, the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunization suggested Pfizer as their preferred vaccine for Australians under 50. This was changed in June to make Pfizer the preferred dose for those under age 60. This is not something any government should do lightly, Morrison said. We've been considering this matter for some time now based on the best possible medical advice. This is just, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. Folks, here we are a year and a half into this thing, and he, he's the, um, the president, I don't know what they call him, the prime minister, the president, Morrison is d- uh, uh, down in Australia. He's the number one guy down there. And here he is, he's twiddling his thumbs trying to make people feel safe, trying to give people hope that their government has everything under control. And they're just as myth today as they were when this whole thing began. Late January, February last year, just like you and I, we don't have a clue. And the people that are supposed to know have been kept in the dark. Have been and still are. Can't get to the bottom of it. Now listen, I I don't know a lot about Australia. I have a lot of respect for them. I've never been there. Been close, but never been to it. And I want to go. Of course, now nobody's getting to go. (laughs) And if you go, you're going to stay. If they let you. Nevertheless, it's pretty much playing out that way around the globe. We're being entangled. We're being suffocated by fear. And those people who we have looked to for generations to give us truths about the things that we need to do to protect ourselves physically, things we can do. Sometimes there are things that are out of our control, but nevertheless, a virus we've always been fairly effective when we find out the details of it been able to create a scenario in which we're okay that's not the case a year and a half into this thing folks we know just tidbits more about it today than we did a year and a half ago so here comes the fear factor now when that happens typically throughout history what happens people go nuts they begin to look for people who have answers And those people who have answers, a lot of people out there that are so-called experts that have all the answers, they don't really have truthful answers. And sadly, a lot of experts, many of them self-proclaimed to be experts, they feel like they must give people what the people want. And their justification for doing that and giving them information that may be or may not be truthful is this. We got to give them something. They're demanding something. So we'll give them what we have or what we think. And to make them feel better about it, we'll couch what we give to them as fact. Your life, the life of your baby boys and girls, the life of your mother, your dad, your husband, your wife, your cousin, your aunt, all of those people's lives. Or on the line, as is yours, for the decisions that we are making based on information, quote-unquote facts, given to us by a bunch of experts that in many cases don't know one thing more than we know. That is what we should be concerned about.
3: American Ladders and Scaffolds, deal with the experts. Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds, delivery everywhere, every day. American
2: Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher.
1: Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back. And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right. All that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy but.
2: Shouldn't there be more back and forth?
1: You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. (laughs) It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother.
3: (laughs) Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm, Yeah, we're good. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama.
1: Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Buy. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways, fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy.
2: Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense
0: when fake news threatens the fabric of the nation you have a choice dan newman tnn the truth news network just one more thing i want to touch base on before we leave COVID 19 and vaccines and all that kind of stuff you know today we live in a world of id identification and it's become okay and common and actually it's become almost mandatory that we look at somebody and we definitely don't label them with whatever it looks that they are. Male, female, um, heterosexual, homosexual, white, black. I mean, we're living in an environment now, folks, where when we look at somebody, they're introduced to us sometimes even as, as a male or female. We're insulting when we just assume that what they look and appear to be is actually who they are. And so they start shoving the fact that they identify as this or that when their biology says they're not this or that, they're those over there or one of those over there. So someone came up with a novel idea. I love this thought. We're looking at an environment where our government And governments around the world are already doing this, requiring their citizens to get COVID-19 vaccinations. And a lot of people, myself included, we don't want to do that. But sometimes you have to go to some level somewhere because you got things that you got to do, places you got to go, people you got to be with, it's your job, whatever. And if they won't let you go there or do that without a vaccination, you've got to make a choice to be vaccinated or not to be. So, novel idea. This person came up with a thought. What if we tell everybody that we're not vaccinated, but don't tell them that. Tell them this. You identify as vaccinated. In other words, biologically, you may be a male, but you identify as a female, so everybody's forced to treat you like you're female, and vice versa. What if we identify as vaccinated? I'm not unvaccinated. I identify as vaccinated, so you got to let me, you gotta let me be considered vaccinated to be vaccinated so whoever came up with this great idea came up with t-shirts that across the front are emblazoned with I identify as vaccinated and they did this
3: oh it's sure good to be out there in the sunlight barbecuing like this no masks on of course as long as you're
1: vaccinated Which your vax card ma'am, you are vaccinated aren't you I'm, uh, well, see, the thing is, I'm, uh,
2: I'm not vaccinated.
3: What? Oh. You make me sick!
1: Haven't gotten the vaccine yet. No. Then identify differently with the I identify as vaccinated t-shirt.
3: I'm feeling healthier already. Oh, hey, I'm sorry I didn't see that. Hey, I ain't no vax-phobic or like that, you know? I mean hey you live your own truth want to grab a beer thanks back shirt
1: with the i identify as vaccinated t-shirt you'll get all the benefits of being vaccinated without all those pesky shots and microchip implantations a simple wardrobe change and you too can feel the unjustified self-righteousness a vax card brings table for one please Sincere apologies, sirs. Right this way, we have a VIP table for you so you don't have to sit next to the rest of these pathetic dorks.
2: And after the movie, I can show you my stamp collection. It has a possum on it, and oh, hi, uh, two, two tickets, please. Can I see your vax car? Oh, should be here somewhere. Um, maybe it's back in the car.
1: one ticket please actually you know what let's make it two what's up doc you wanted to see me you've tested positive for covid what make your uncle laugh and your kids friends parents angry by buying the i identify as vaccinated t-shirt today
0: <laughs> i mean folks if you can't laugh at it you'll cry There's so much we don't know about and so much um, pushed down from the top about get in line, listen to us, don't do what you think you should do until you check with us. We got it all figured out here. If you don't laugh, you're going to cry. I hate to do this. We went almost an entire hour without mentioning the name of the U.S. president, but we got to go there. In the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all this stuff that's being shown that It's really, really bad, like stuff down at the southern border. Joe Biden, he doesn't like to admit it and doesn't want to see it, but he is seeing an erosion in support of the American people for him since April, mainly, folks, from his fellow Democrats. Wow. This is in the middle of his administration wrestling with Congress to make good on those campaign promises. And more Americans are worried about an uneven economic recovery. So what do you do if you're in the news industry and that kind of stuff begins to happen? You do a poll. So Reuters, however you pronounce it, they decided to check things out with the American voters. The June 17th National Opinion Poll shows Biden is still more popular than his Republican predecessor Trump ever was. 55% of adults the pro- the poll says approve of his performance in office 65 percent like his response to the covid pandemic at this point four years ago about 36 percent of adults approved of trump's job performance and then they went to the bank and uh, they checked their direct deposit payroll check and saw there's more money in the bank than when barack obama and joe biden were in charge i just threw that in for free But a big number, a growing number of us Americans disapprove of Joe Biden's leadership on the economy, on gun violence, and on taxation, with the biggest decline coming within his own party, especially those under the age of 40, non-white Democrats, are those who don't have a college degree. And it's kind of strange, don't you think? That that's the demographic. During the four years of Donald Trump in the White House, his approval ratings soared in that Democrat, in that uh, demographic. According to this poll now, now this is Reuters. They're very hard, far left folks. According to the poll, the economy has replaced health care and disease as concern number one. Nearly a quarter, 25% of adults who were polled, called it the most important problem. Majority of us are worried about rising cost of living. The public is almost evenly split over how much the government should do to make things better. 48% of those folks said they approved of Biden's handling of the economy. That's down four points from 30 days before. The number of Americans who disapproved of Biden's economic record went up four points to 43%. So, how do, how do Democrats, how do Republicans, how do people in politics, how do they look at polls and figure out what to do and what we got to change or whatever? They really don't look at one single poll. They look at trends. Now, this is the first one of these Reuters polls that they've done like this, as far as we know. I think if they had already done one, And it gave kind of good results for Joe Biden. We would have heard about it, but I can't say that. We will be watching Reuters and their polling operation going forward to see what the trends are. People I talk to, people that I hear and listen, and people looking around my town, my city, people are really hacked off with this administration. And we live in the South, so we obviously are looking closer at the southern border issue in texas new mexico arizona and california and folks nobody can believe this crap is being allowed down there not even just allowed it's being pushed it's been promoting and it's being sold by joe biden and his administration to people in central america and mexico and the leaders of those countries honduras el salvador guatemala and mexico all point to Joe Biden as being the instigator and the sole reason for the horrors that are happening at our border between the United States and Mexico. There's no crisis at the southern border, Dan. CNN didn't show it. MSNBC didn't show it. ABC CBS NBC News didn't show it. The New York Times didn't put pictures up, nor did the Washington Post. So if they don't do it, they don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. You're a hardcore left. No, I'm right. But you're a hardcore white supremacist because you don't believe that everything's okay. And you don't want these poor people coming over from Central America. Yeah, I do. I do. I've supported bringing the million a year that come in year after year after year and do it legally. And if there are a million or maybe two million that our government decides, our government decides, that would be the United States Congress, both houses, House of Representatives, the Senate, and a bill goes to the president's desk for him to sign, increasing that number to two million a year, I'm for it. But I want every person that comes across that border down south to be doing it legally, or they need to be held accountable for it. We're going to get into that in just a minute. If you hadn't read today's story, you're going to get a, a free dose of it from Dan here in just a few minutes. Crime, oh my gosh. Homicides jump in six Democrat run cities, more black victims reported. Mainstream media does not drill down on any of this. They'll give us a global number of people that died around the nation, sometimes in a city, but they never break it out racially. And you know when they don't do that, when you don't hear the race of those that are impacted or the races of those that perpetrate these crimes, you know it's not going to look good. The numbers don't look good for people that are non-white. A couple of these cities experienced a big surge in murders over the past year. Crime data shows that most of those cases, and it's sad to say, affect African Americans. Black people represented a big number of murder victims in six major cities in the first half of this year, compared to the same time last year. DCNF, which is Daily Caller News Foundation, reviewed police department data that said a major jump in firearm-related crimes happened against African Americans by African Americans. We're seeing an uptip in violent crime across the country, specifically gun violence, a spokesperson said. This group also gathered homicide information from Chicago, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, L.A., and Indianapolis. They revealed these cities are among the few where such information is easy to get a hold of. Most major cities have minimal 2021 data on murders and homicides so far. The ratio of black murder victims in Chicago went up. It was 70% last year. It's 81% this year. That number increased from 60 to 90% year-on-year in Milwaukee. The percentage of blacks reduced in just one of the cities studied while the overall number of black victims climbed. Black Lives Matter activists held rallies across the nation last year. You know that. Democrats in most cities responded by cutting police funding. Thousands of protests and riots occurred around the country. Did you hear that number, folks? If you're getting your news from traditional news sources, you knew there were some demonstrations. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of protests and riots, thousands, occurred around the country. And that all began in Minnesota with George Floyd's killing on Memorial Day a year ago. University of Missouri criminologist Richard Rosenfield, he blames the number being jumping so quickly on weak public confidence in law enforcement officers. Listen to what he said. When police legitimacy is greatly reduced, you get more crime because people are no longer relying on the criminal justice system for assistance. This is Rosenfeld, Richard Rosenfeld. He's a quote-unquote expert from the University of Missouri. I have, just because they're from universities, folks, and they're hired as professors, and somebody slaps the title expert on it, I just fall all over everything they say and agree with it, right? Like him, I agree with all this. Yeah, right. A random sample of those 37 cities show the number of murders rose by 18% across the nation over the last year. Data analytics reporter Jeff Asher, he revealed the number of homicides climbed by 37% in 2020 compared to 2019. And a third of Los Angeles shooting victims are black. Hispanics way up there. So what is this all about, folks? It's about the police. You just heard this expert, Rosenfeld. He said, people are less willing to cooperate with police in investigations, less willing to report crimes or other problems to the police, and more willing to take matters into their own hands. That's his explanation for why there's so much crime. So let me get this straight. He's purposely demeaning a segment of our population. I mean, he's just taking for granted that people are prone to commit crimes, period, including murders. And the reason the murder numbers are going up is because people, those same people, I guess, have lost confidence that the criminal justice system is going to help them. So his logic is this. Well, you know, I know people around in my city, like Minneapolis, Nobody here trusts cops anymore. So I don't know what to do. So because of that, I'm going to go kill somebody. (laughs) That's logic, huh? That's logic. So we're going to get into the uh, police defunding thing in a moment. But since we're talking about Minneapolis, I thought it was appropriate to bring this, this to you. This happened yesterday. Listen to this. The vice president of the Minneapolis City Council was held hostage while she was attending a gay pride celebration last weekend as video shows a large group of protesters blocked her car until she agreed to sign a list of their demands that including dropping criminal charges against rioters. Her name is Andrea Jenkins. She represents the 8th Ward of Minneapolis, she identifies, you got that, she identifies as the first black openly transgender woman to be elected to office in the U.S. She said it's also time to stop the holding of black-owned businesses, the neighbors and residents of the neighborhood near George Floyd Square, stop holding all those people hostage more than a year after Floyd's death. Now, here's what happened. She said Sunday afternoon she was attending the Taking Back Pride event in Loring Park in Minneapolis. Video shows her sitting in the front passenger seat of a white vehicle being blocked by a group of extreme Black Lives Matter demonstrators, many with their cell phones out recording, of course. It might be three days before I get out of here. She's heard telling somebody over the phone while she's sitting in the car. This was shared on Facebook by a guy named Donald Hooker. Hooker shows the camera a list of the people's demands that Jenkins has got to agree with before she's going to be let leave the site. The handwritten note calls for the formation of a community police accountability commission to reopen all the cases of murders, to drop the charges for all 646 protesters and other protesters for 2020, and to make all information on the murder of Winston Smith available. It also demands the resignation of the mayor, Jacob Fry, and to leave George Floyd Square alone, period. Now, put it in the context of what we just told you. They title this The People's Demands. The People's Demands. And just a little bitty piece of that just stuck out to me. They're demanding that all charges for the each one of these, 646 protesters and other protesters from back in 2020 that they be dropped. Now, 646, that's a big number. A lot of people are in, were involved there. Now, what were those people doing? Do you really think they were protesting? Protesting is a constitutionally guaranteed right. In the First Amendment, it says we as citizens are guaranteed the right to assemble peaceably. Now, I can't tell you exactly what the Minneapolis law is on protesting, but I assume, and maybe that's a mistake, but I would assume their laws would line something along with that clause in the First Amendment. Everybody's got the right to peaceably assemble. They can protest peaceably. Do you think any? Do you think any of those 646 protesters were arrested for doing something constitutionally? Heck no. So what were they doing? Did you see the video? Did you see the coverage night after night after night in 2020 in Minneapolis? They were burning businesses down. They were looting businesses. I almost chuckled. There was one close up. I think it was a Target store they had just protesters, not, not looters, but <laughs> protesters had broken all the front windows and one guy has got a store cart <laughs> and he's pushing the cart out where the front door used to be and he's got like five television stacked on top of the cart, taking them to his truck. It shows him going to the truck, putting those TVs still in the boxes in his truck probably $50,000 worth of merchandise out of that Target store and driving away now he was protesting he was protesting and then you remember over in Chicago the really bad one that happened on the Miracle Mile I don't know if you know anything about Chicago but down on Lake Michigan on the front there's a whole section of downtown that is just full of these high dollar stores I'm talking about Park Avenue kind of things you know, from New York. High dollar, everything big time, fashion and jewelry and all that kind of stuff. And my heart sunk because I've had several Rolex watches in my lifetime. And I watched while the report was being filmed. The reporter was just talking in a generic way about people breaking into these stores and looting. And it showed a Rolex storefront. And yeah, they'd broken the window out of that too. But they left the part up on the glass with the Rolex logo, so you knew it was a Rolex store. And I watched in horror as a guy came through a part of the broken window carrying under each arm a big blue Rolex box. Now, I had one of these, so I know what was in it. Rolex President watch, 18-karat gold watch, 18-karat gold, solid 18-karat gold band. back in the old day you could buy one of those for 10 grand now they're $60,000 he had one under each arm and the reporter was interviewing a young woman and the young woman actually said this she didn't think she said i don't think there's anything wrong i don't have one hard feeling for any of these people looting any of these stores those stores have insurance and these people are looking for money to buy groceries to pay their kids. Now let me get this straight. So the guy's got two Rolex presidents, $120,000 worth of watches under his arm. Where the heck is he going to turn that into groceries? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, what is our White House doing? What is our president doing? What is the Department of Justice doing? What are the state police doing? We we in our nation, folks, we're eating up with criminality, and it's only getting worse. Why is it growing? Why is it getting so bad? We're going to get into that next, and then let me tell you something we're going to finish the show with today. There are things, even though our government will not enforce the law, will not address the criminality, will not hold these people accountable for breaking laws, how can they let that happen? I can't get into the how they can let it happen, but I can tell you what we can do about it. You're going to enjoy this last 40 minutes. Sit tight. Don't go anywhere.
3: What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up.
2: When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends.
0: Well, lawlessness is going through the roof in our nation. And it appears that our president is not doing anything about it. As a matter of fact, our president campaigned on doing something about it. Why were the cops not enforcing the law? Why was criminality just going out the roof? It was not being handled. And, of course, everybody during the campaign cycle was saying... You know, cops need more money. We need to be able to hire more cops because of the criminality. We don't know what to do. We need help, and so Biden, as everybody that's running for president does, they address the issues in the nation, and they promise, "You elect me, I'm going to fix them." Well, Biden hadn't fixed them so far. I think you'll agree with that. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Now let's let's just let's just before we get into our immigration stuff, because that sits in a in a bucket by itself. You know, I'm like Hillary Clinton. I'm gonna put everybody and everything that I disagree with or think is one way or another, put them in the one single basket or bucket. I'm doing that with illegal immigration. But what about on our streets? What about the cries for defunding the cops? Now, we all know in Minneapolis, when that happened Memorial Day a year ago and the weeks afterwards there, and then in other places like Chicago, and Washington D.C. and Philadelphia and Baltimore and New York City, all around the nation, at some of our bitter, uh, our larger, Democrat-controlled cities, cries were for defunding the police. That's the panacea. That's going to fix everything. And some city governments actually followed suit. But the Republican Party never got in, never even discussed or got into defunding the cops, promoting it on the local state or national level, but Democrats, in mass, they signed on, yes, we need to defund the cops. Now, I'm not going to play all the snippets, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Joe Biden himself and others in very highly visible positions on television touting we need to defund the police even heard them say now when we say defund we really don't mean defund we need to change our funding we need to put more money into community service resources community service resources that's that big bucket that they put everything in for all of the government giveaways And so all of a sudden, in the middle of all of this, with all the visibility out there, Democrat after Democrat, on television, nationally, we need to defund the police. We need to defund the police. Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, cut a billion dollars out of New York City's police department budget. And crime has gone through the roof. It's gone through the roof at every big, blue-governed city in the United States. Every one of them. But nobody wants to look at that as the reason or even a big contributing reason. Their push and their cries, even though some places haven't done it yet, they're screaming and hollering, we're going to do it. They did it in Seattle. Crime went through the roof. They're trying to do it in Portland. Crime's going through the roof. i tell you what it happens when that all is talked about and even the hint of the possibility of police in these areas being defunded couple of things happen. Cops start looking for other jobs. The ones that are close to retirement, they start retiring. Why is that? Well, what message does defunding send to the people that are actually hired to stop criminality? It's very obvious. It sends a message to police. Your government doesn't support you anymore. We don't back you up. Some places or even taking action to dismantle the indemnification that police around the nation have had for decades. What is that? When they're on the job, when they're doing what they're supposed to do, using the training that they've had, the education that they've had, their abilities to stop criminals, sometimes when they do it, because we live in a litigious nation where everybody sues everybody else for anything, And usually make a lot of money, the cost for that goes skyrocketing. And so, typically, when, for instance, Derek Chauvin is convicted for murdering George Floyd, George Floyd's family immediately sued the city of Minneapolis, but they also sued George Floyd, uh, excuse me, Derek Chauvin. Now, that is kind of a unique situation. Most of the time, they're going to sue the city because the city has big insurance policies. They know they're going to get some money there, but they also name the cop. Well, the cop has to, even if the cop is 100% unquestionably innocent, he's still going to be he or She's still going to be sued. That means they got to hire a lawyer, cost a fortune. They may end up getting a judgment against them. They don't have big insurance companies behind them other than They're indemnified through their city or their county or their state's indemnification insurance policy. Some of these cities are doing away with that indemnification part for the cops. Do you think a cop's going to go out there every day with a gun on their side, knowing that they may have to draw it and knowing when they draw it, sometimes they're going to have to shoot somebody? And when they shoot sometimes, sometimes they're going to get sued for just enforcing the law. So this thing just goes around and around and around. And the people that are in the bullseye are police in the United States of America. That's why crime is going through the roof. Now, all of a sudden, Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, and a bunch of other Democrats, including President Biden, have decided they're going to change the narrative. They're going to go out and defend themselves, and they're going to start blaming somebody else for supporting defunding the police. Oh, it's not the Democrats. We've never done that. We've always supported the police. Jen Psaki comes out, and she just basically points at Republicans and said it. Republicans were the ones that started defunding police. Listen to her, the back and forth between her and Fox's reporter yesterday. One of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue
1: Plan. But uh, how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the President never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the
3: President did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the President, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill could help ensure uh local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country as you know didn't receive a single republican vote that funding has been used to keep cops on the beat
1: but at the time that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave
3: Uh, I think that any local uh,
2: department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address crime in
1: their local communities. The The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, It's going to put us on the path to beating the virus.
0: Not. It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. Go ahead. Okay. So here's what we do at Truth News Network. When we hear this stuff, we break it down. I went to the American Rescue Plan last night. I spent about an hour perusing it, the bullet points of every section. There is no section in the bill that every Republican voted against. Why did they vote against it? Because it was called the COVID-19 plan. It was going to fund all kinds of things, but in the bill, those kinds of things are each delineated specifically through there. There is nothing in there, not one thing in it that even mentions law enforcement. And of course, they'll tell you if it's a, if it had been a Republican bill and it was passed and signed into law and the Republicans went and spent one dime of that money encapsulated in that bill for anything other than was spelled out in the bill authorizing them to do so, They'd impeach somebody. Democrats would impeach somebody. So did you catch Saki's justification? Well included in the bill was money for these states and cities to take care of the departments in their cities who were experiencing budget shortfalls. You got that? I actually read the legal E in one of those clauses, and it was very specific. This amount of money in this section of this bill is to be used for this. There is no authorization to divert funds to another thing that is not covered in this particular piece of legislation. In other words, if they spin it some other way, they could be taken to court, spanked, taken out back and uh, spanked for doing it. So what are they trying to do? Joe Biden actually said Republicans defunded police. And the reason he's saying that is because every Republican voted against the bill. Now, why did they vote against that bill? You know why. It was full of fat. It was full of pork. And the big pork that was in it that most Americans hated and didn't want it in there, but it got passed, signed into law anyway, without Republican support. Included in it was the bailout money in the billions of dollars for who? For these blue states and these blue cities who had gotten themselves in trouble economically far, far before COVID 19 was even thought about happening. And so, what that meant and what Republicans voted against was taking taxpayer dollars and giving these governors and these mayors that refused to be economically sane with their spending. And so they put themselves in horrible situations by doing these stupid things with the taxpayer and their state's money and previous federal funds that came to them. And so they have these massive deficits. And of course, the economy shut down because of COVID and the federal government at the state level specifically, but there were shutdowns, businesses closed, no income for anybody. These states and cities lost tons of revenue too and the bills kept piling up. So they need help, right? They do it on the backs of the American taxpayer. Meanwhile, there's not a single red or conservative state that ended up needing that money. Why is that? Now, any state can use any dollar that comes from the federal government. Don't get me wrong. Nobody turned it down. But all of that was to bail out their buddies, Biden's buddies, everybody, California, Washington, New York, Illinois, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York City, Washington, D.C., every one of them, that were in horrible fiscal condition got this money. And because Republicans voted against it, that's Saki and Joe Biden's justification for saying falsely that Republicans (laughs) defunded police. And then they had the gall to say, Democrats didn't say they wanted to defund the police. We would never do that. Give me a couple of cities that have Said that where they got busted. How about New York? June of 2020, Bill de Blasio cut a billion dollars from the New York City Police Department. Since then, de Blasio decided to reinstate 92 million, but only to build a new precinct cut from the budget last year. From January 1 through May 23rd, 531 shootings in the city, up from 295 during the same period last year. Then Philadelphia. Last year, Philadelphia City Council approved to cut 33 million. their police department. This is the city council. In New York, it was the mayor. Now, Philadelphia's on pace to have one of its deadliest years on record. Washington, D.C., lawmakers promised we're going to cut $15 million from the police department budget in June. In May of last year, the Washington Post reported homicides increased 38 percent compared to the same time in 2020. Baltimore, The Baltimore City Council voted to slash $22 million in police spending. The Baltimore Sun reported in June of 2020 that. Then this June, Baltimore Police Commissioner Michael Harrison said he'd like to see more boots on the ground and additional funding for his police department. Los Angeles. Mayor Eric Garcetti, he wants an increase in police spending of about $50 million after the city cut $150 million out last year. What about Minneapolis June 12 2020 The Minneapolis City Council it was reported pledged unanimously to disband the city's police department the entire department By June 18th of this year just last week the Minneapolis City Council approved 5 million to pay for police overtime Minneapolis Police Department was down to 632 active officers through the end of May. That's a 25% drop from 845 police a year ago. As of last week, 60 officers are on disability leave. And they wonder why crime's up across the board everywhere. Seattle. City Council approved in August of a year ago that they would reduce the police department by as many as 100 officers. Through layoffs and attrition, their crime rates through the roof. Portland, Oregon, just down the road from Seattle. Commissioners in the city cut nearly $16 million from the police budget in June last year. Portland Police Association Executive Director Daryl Turner warned during an appearance on NBC Nightly News in June this year, officer morale is as bad as it's ever been as the Democrat-run city experiences a sharp rise and violent crime. Lawmaker after lawmaker, Democrat after Democrat, on camera saying, we've got to defund the police, we've got to defund the police. Folks, that's at Joe Biden's feet. And the American people get it, they see it. And they know who's responsible. And they're finding out that Americans are turning in large numbers away from the Joe Biden philosophy of, Spin, 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 spin while doing away with law enforcement. And then there's that other spot, the southern border. Now, we all want things to be taken care of down there. I think we all do. You know what's interesting to me? Biden won't even mention anything about the law-breaking and the rise significantly. I mean, it's, it's, it's gone over a precipice in number as illegal aliens flood our southern border. And not only is the Biden administration allowing it to happen, they're promoting it now. They're sending words out. Y'all come up. Come on up. Come on up. If you were deported, if our ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, if they deported you before, you came here to apply for asylum, your asylum claim was turned down and they deported you, come on back. They're actually telling them, come on back. And if one of your family members is here, they're actually not just telling you, hey, your little boy, your little girl is here, come on up, we'll let you in. They're not even just doing that. They're paying your travel costs to come back here. It's way past getting out of hand, I think you'll agree. We're going to the southern border. We're going to get into the details in our last segment. You don't want to miss this new news. I'm sorry to say it's not really good news, but it's new news anyway. It's facts you need to know as you head into a holiday weekend, probably a long holiday weekend for many of you. You need to go into it with some facts. Sit tight. That's next. I
2: love going all-natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef.
1: Introducing the
2: all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food with no antibiotics,
1: no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University.
2: Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives. And I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it.
1: Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast
0: combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for
1: $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website
3: lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are. And we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from
1: disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that?
0: I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel 6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network, TruthNewsNet.org, and Dan Newman. For the sake of time, we're not going to go into, in this segment, we're not going to go into all the stuff that's happening. There's new things that are leaking out every day that really make it... Understandable that it's much worse than we thought it was the day before. And yes, the Biden administration continues to hide the facts from the American people, which means there's only one answer for why. And that's because it's worse than we think it probably is. All that being said, my big question, the one that's been puzzling me, we've mentioned this before. Why aren't they enforcing the law? Just enforce the law. Why aren't they doing that? Let's be honest. The Biden administration is doing nothing, not one thing, to fight the illegal immigration problem. In fact, daily, daily, we're spoon-fed bits of info from the media revealing new ways the Biden crime syndicate are breaking immigration laws and thumbing noses at the American citizens who, in the hundreds of thousands, are working on their own to push back against the lawbreakers flooding lawmakers flooding across our border. Let's be clear. Not everybody who comes here are criminals. We don't want to diminish that. We don't have any desire to denigrate those immigrants that want to come here, many of whom are honestly trying to find better living conditions, more opportunities for their families. But, folks, we can't just overlook the fact that many of them have criminal records, often from committing felonies. Some before they get here, some have been here before and they have already U.S. criminal records from previous trips and then were deported. So here's the conundrum for us all. Illegal, folks, means illegal. That means all who enter the U.S. without permission to do so prior to coming, pursuant to federal law, all are considered by the law illegal aliens, not even illegal immigrants. So why do we use that term, illegal alien? Because that's the language used in federal immigration laws governing immigration. Now the Biden administration has told everybody to stop using illegal alien. They're even talking now about stopping using the tag illegal immigrant. More about that on another day. Why do our federal law enforcement officials not stop illegal immigration? Why don't they go after illegal alien lawbreakers like they do domestic criminals? Great question, right? I'm going to answer that. But I warned you, the answer's not a comfortable one, and it doesn't justify the allowing continuously of illegal alien crossings. First of all, novel idea. What does the federal law say about illegals entering our country? Well, let's look at it real quick. 8 U.S. Code 1325. Any alien who enters or attempts to enter the U.S. at any time or place other than as designated by immigration officers and U.S. law or eludes examination or inspection by immigration officers or attempts to enter or obtains entry to the United States by a willfully false or misleading representation or the willful concealment of a material fact, shall for the first commission be fined under title 18 or imprisoned no more than six months or both. And for a subsequent commission of any such offense, be fined under t- title 18 or imprisoned not more than two years or both. In other words, anybody coming to the country somewhere besides ports of entry by lying or cheating or sneaking in about purposes for coming, hiding identities, concealing other facts or breaking the law. Secondly, what does federal law say about those who helped these illegals cross into the country? Now, who are we talking about? What about those coyotes that are down there? They're actually advertising in Central American countries. Hey, call us. We'll get you into the United States, and you'll be taken care of once you get there. And they're charging a price for it. We're talking about those codes, folks. Same code, 8 U.S. Code, but Section 1323. It shall be unlawful for any person, including any transportation company or the owner, the master, the commanding officer, agent, charterer, or consignee of any vessel or aircraft to bring to the United States from any place outside the United States, other than from foreign contiguous territory, any alien who does not have a valid passport, and an unexpired visa if a visa was required under this chapter or regulations issued. It is unlawful for an alien except an alien crew member to the United States to take any consideration to be kept or returned contingent on whether an alien is admitted to or is ordered to be removed from the United States. Bottom line, it's illegal to come to the country illegally. It's illegal to assist somebody to enter the country legally. So here's the big question, and this is the final section we're going to deal with on today's show. What the heck can we do? What can U.S. citizens do about the government lawlessness, especially regarding illegal immigration? Now, it is well settled by the Supreme Court that it is the federal government, not state governments or U.S. citizens, that have broad, undoubted power over the subject of immigration and the status of aliens. That was actually from a court case, Arizona versus U.S., back in 2012. But the pervasiveness of federal regulation, the Supreme Court says, does not diminish the importance of immigration policy to the states, which bear the many consequences of unlawful immigration. States can legislate and act in this space to a limited but crucial extent as long as their actions are not preempted by federal law. As an example, states can pass licensing and similar laws directed at those who employ, recruit, or refer for a fee illegal aliens. There's no doubt given the enormity of the problem. Our limited resources at the federal government that the assistance and support of the states is essential to comprehensive and effective enforcement of immigration laws. The federal government, despite all its financial resources and its big workforce, they just don't have the manpower to enforce every one of their own immigration laws. So that is where the states come in, as they are force multipliers in confronting the problem. No one can rationally deny that we have an illegal alien problem in this country. So what? let's talk about what the states can do. First, they can require licensed businesses to use E-Verify. One of the big driving forces behind illegal immigration is our economy. They want to come here to earn money. That's where the term economic migrants comes from. Aliens from less prosperous areas of the world want to take advantage of our thriving economy and our big-time high standard of living. Aliens in the U.S. send over $54 billion each year back to their native countries and family members there. Mexico gets the most of those dollars, over $24 billion back in 2015, making up 2% of the nation's economy of Mexico and nearly 20% of income in the poorest parts of their country. But those illegals are not authorized to work for businesses in the U.S. That's one of the major differences between being an illegal alien and being a lawful permanent resident, or it's called a green card holder. The former are prohibited from working. The latter can be employed, just like American citizens, if you got a green card. But as is obvious, many illegals are working in the United States, and they're illegal because they don't even go to the process and employers in many cases don't want them to go through the process why they can pay them by cash and not do payroll deductions they don't have to pay social security matching amounts don't have to pay medicare matching amounts and they don't have to report them so they're not on a database somewhere that's going to hold these employers liable for unemployment benefits so where else would the money come from, right? States can pass laws that make it more difficult for these illegals to work, to hold jobs, earn salaries, by considering requiring businesses, every business that's licensed by the state to use the national database E-Verify. States can target businesses who knowingly hire these illegals. This comes from that Arizona law that went to the Supreme Court, we referenced a minute ago. The other aspect of that law was upheld by the Supreme Court above and beyond the use of e verify. It's the part that provides that the license of a business can be suspended or even revoked by the state if an employer knowingly hires an illegal. States can pass vehicle laws aimed at stopping day labor. That's one of the big things. In these cities where a lot of these illegals congregate, they'll go to a busy intersection and they'll stand down there early every morning. They're looking for a job, a day job. And many people, primarily agriculture and construction companies, they know that. And they want these day laborers, so they'll just drive down there, get out of the truck, walk over and offer them money and say, you know, I need this and this and this and I'll pay you this much if you'll do it today. States can pass laws that make that illegal and stop it. That may sound like a little thing, but it's huge, folks. Each of these provisions was part of the controversial and much larger Arizona statute called the Support Our Law Enforcement and Safe Neighborhoods Act, and as it came to be known, Arizona SB 1070. The Obama administration sued Arizona, and they challenged that. Are a big part of it, not the whole law. And they claimed in their suit they were unconstitutional in Arizona for doing this. They moved for an injunction to stop Arizona from enforcing the law. But the Obama folks didn't seek to use those first two sections that we just shared with you. And so the district court refused to abolish the whole law and instead evaluate the constitutionality of each individual clause. States can also require state and local law enforcement to determine the immigration status of everybody. This is a real biggie, folks. In 2012, the Supreme Court upheld another section of Arizona SB 1070, which required state and local law enforcement officials to make a quote-unquote reasonable attempt to determine the immigration status of anybody that they stop, detain, or arrest if reasonable suspicion exists that the person is an alien and is unlawfully present in the United States. States can prevent sanctuary policies for all their counties and cities, those policies that are rampant in places like the state of Washington and California. They can empower legal residents to sue officials who get in the way of legal immigration law enforcement. That's another biggie. Heretofore, they have indemnification. But states can make them liable. States can pass laws making it a crime to transport, conceal, or induce an alien for any reason to come or to give them work or any any other thing while they're here illegally. They can make it illegal to provide illegal aliens licenses, automobile plates, or in-state tuition. And they can also, this is a biggie, especially in the Latin community, they don't like wrongdoing to be made known. States can publish crimes committed by aliens. Listen, folks, we're not dead here, but what's going to be required is if you want this lawlessness to stop, especially regarding illegal immigration, you got to step up. Your state can do it. Your state authorities can do it. What can they do and how can they do it? Just look at some of the stuff that Arizona's done. Look at the laws that were passed. Make it stop in your city by doing some of the same things. And if you can push them, call them. Talk to them. You have state senators, state representatives. You can even get your governor. We called our governor's office live on the air yesterday about an egregious voting bill. That's a wrap on today. You can finish the rest of that story. It's published on our homepage today. And don't forget, Dr. Fleming with us tomorrow morning right here. When I wake up
3: in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning, love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be